Hi, and welcome to For Real Life. I'm Jochem Hill. This podcast is intended to use biblical truth for real-life issues. The Bible talks about many of life's questions, struggles, hopes, and fears. It's a book that was written many years ago, but is definitely applicable to the here and now. It's not just stories and theories, it's for real life. Okay, welcome to our second episode of looking into the existence of a creator. Uh, We're going to look at science, archaeology, and prophecy to prove that there is uh, a creator uh, of of us, of our our universe, really, and and everything that we know. Uh, We touched on science the last time. Uh, Today we're going to talk about archaeology, and I have Caleb with me again. Uh, Good morning again, Caleb. Hi there. Uh, so archaeology uh, was the second topic that you had looked at uh, that would supported for you the idea that there is a creator. When I think of archaeologists, I think of people in, uh, for some reason, hot places, I don't know why, but with little, tiny little brush-like dusters sitting in, in, uh, in the ground, essentially. Yeah. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And actually, I got two examples, and I know archaeology is a deep subject. Oh. Good one. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Anyways. All right, let's dig into it. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of different examples that I, actually does, doesn't even really take a lot of digging. But um, two examples that fascinate me. One is Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem, in Israel, And the other one is a couple of clay prisms. Actually, there's three clay prisms, as they're called, uh, that are in various museums uh, around the world that you can physically go and take a look at. So you're right, Joachim. This is kind of uh, thinking about people down in the dusty bottom of a dusty hole with a paintbrush and a little shovel uncovering artifacts. But the first one, which is Hezekiah's tunnel, you don't need to get down on your on your knees and in the bottom of a dusty hole to, to discover. If you've ever had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem, I have not, but it's very, very well documented. Uh, there is a tunnel that runs underneath the streets of Jerusalem. And you might think, well, it's not particularly significant, but the history of that tunnel is. And what it's known as today is the Siloam Tunnel. And you might say, okay, well, why is this of significance? It's a, it's a hole in the ground and, it, and it's a tunnel. Like that's, uh, the, you know, people have been tunneling for years. Well, if you look at the background of this tunnel and you compare it to the biblical record, <clears throat> there's a very, very interesting connection that gives you an indication that the biblical record of this, uh, this King Hezekiah in fact, is an actual person who walked the face of the planet. And it gives credence and evidence that, yes, these were real people that walked the earth in in real time just a long time ago. So for many years, people were skeptics of the Bible. They just said, ah, these are, these are just stories. These are just strictly um, analogies written by someone to make people think a certain way. Well, King Hezekiah was a real person. And where this, uh, this story starts is actually the invasion of the land of Judah um, by the Assyrian king. Uh, the Assyrian king was coming down of, as they did in those times. They just come in and, well, they do them in t- times today as well. But basically, they uh, come into another nation and take all their stuff and take it home. Take slaves, take property, all that good stuff. 
So the Assyrians were coming down to Jerusalem, and specifically, they were coming down to lay siege to the city. And King Hezekiah uh, was preparing for this impending siege. And what he did was block the sources of water outside the city so that the invading army wouldn't have a fresh supply of, of water and diverted the, the water inside the city walls and dug a, an irrigation, I guess you call it irrigation tunnel underneath the city, carved beneath the, the city of David in Jerusalem through the rock to bring this water into a pool in the lower city. And so you say, okay, that's great. Well, you go to Jerusalem today and you can walk the length of this tunnel and there's inscriptions on it that talk about Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And you say, okay, well, how's that relevant? Well, Joachim, if you've got a Bible there, um, turn to 2 Kings. And this talks about the uh, invasion of, of Israel or Judah as it was known at the time, specifically by the Assyrians. So in 2 Kings 20, and this is the connection with the modern day tunnel that you can walk in. This is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 20. It says, and the rest of the acts of King Hezekiah and all his might and how he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So you say, okay, that's interesting. That's a little tidbit out of, out of the Bible. Well, if you go to that second Chronicles, uh, it's another passage in your Bible where it talks about this, this King Hezekiah. It's actually second Chronicles chapter 32. And in the second and third verses, it says this. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come, that's the Assyrian king, and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, Hezekiah talked to his officials and army officers, and they all agreed to stop the waters of the water springs outside the city. And so the uh, officials and the army officers help Hezekiah. So if you turn down, there's one more verse that we'll read that's really quite remarkable when you consider this modern archaeological find. If you go down to verse 30, it says this. Oop, let me turn there. It was Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, who stopped the upper source of the waters of the Gihon Spring in Jerusalem and made the waters flow straight down on the west side of the city of David. He was successful in everything he did. So this was his plan to help protect the city from the invading Assyrian army. And when you go to Jerusalem today, you see the evidence, the graphic evidence, the physical evidence of this tunnel, this excavation that this king had made so many years before. So this gives a little bit of, I'll say, credence to this biblical record in the, in the Kings and Chronicles in your Old Testament, that the King Hezekiah was an actual king and the things that he did in order to preserve the city and his people, the evidence of that is there in front of you in the form of this tunnel carved out of the rock underneath the streets of Jerusalem. That's the first example. I've actually had the opportunity to walk through that tunnel. And it, is, uh, it is quite fascinating. It's interesting because this kind of goes back to our topic from, from last conversation, uh, which we talked about water, right? And how we really depend on water. Uh, and so water was, was heavily used uh, in in warfare, right? Where if you if you cut off water supply to one army, uh, that will create a significant problem very quickly. Uh, and then also for a city like Jerusalem, like you mentioned, uh, if you're invading this city and, and uh, you know they have huge walls or did once upon a time anyway, um, you just surround the city and wait it out. And again, if you cut off that water supply. 
the waiting is going to be done very quickly. And so uh, people like Hezekiah, uh, like you said, would have dug these tunnels so that they could hopefully outlast uh, a siege like this. Yeah, Joachim, it's, it's really quite remarkable when you see, you know, what a lot of people consider in the Old Testament, oh, it's just a story, and you say, well, and, and for in your case, hey, I've walked through that tunnel. I've actually physically seen it. And you see, yeah, I, hey, strategy back then is not that radically different from it from what it is today as far as, as the military goes. And if you're going to lay siege to a, a city, you know, you make it as uncomfortable as you can for those people so that they ultimately surrender. So, yeah, it's, it's huh, look at that right there in front of you. It lends... Uh, really strong evidence to the fact that this was a real person doing real things just many years ago. And if it's recorded in the pages of our Bibles, hmm, there's some evidence that this book, this Bible, the Word of God, yeah, it's true. There's some evidence right here in front of us. Maybe tie another theological finding to this is that uh, some of these writings were found near the Dead Sea uh, in, in Israel. Yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, and it's it's understood uh, that those are uh, 2,000 years old, uh, right? And so they, they date back to around the time of Jesus or just prior uh, to that time where, where they were stored in these clay jars uh, to, to try and, and preserve them and, and protect them as well from uh, their invading, uh, their invader, which is the Romans at that time. So there's been a lot of, invasions uh, in that land uh, a number of or a lot of them are documented in the bible but also outside of the bible and i think that's what you were referring to with these prisms that you're talking about yeah so this event or this this record of the siege of jerusalem by the assyrian kings uh, you have one bit of evidence that this in fact happened and it's uh <clears throat> there's tangible evidence of of that from the jerusalem perspective well, the other interesting event in and around, or, or other interesting archaeological find in and around this event of the siege of Jerusalem actually comes from uh, the Assyrian side. And this King Sennacherib, um, as most kings do, and, and presidents and prime ministers do today, a lot of people like to build a legacy and record their legacy. And the King Sennacherib was <clears throat> not immune to this. So... At the bottom of a dusty hole, now we can picture our classic picture of an archaeologist. Uh, at the bottom of a dusty hole n a number of years ago, and I, I don't have all the information right at hand, but you can, you can look this up. There's actually three clay prisms that uh, archaeological uh, digs have uncovered. And what I mean by a clay prism is a, is a column of, of clay that's baked into a shape that has ancient writings on it that are essentially the same as, uh, as the way we record history now. This is the way that they would record the, record the exploits and successes of a king's particular exploits. And so a prism is basically a hexagonal or an octagonal clay tablet that has writing pressed into its uh, outer uh, surface. And by writing, basically, they would take a little stick and push, uh, make imprints into the clay and then fire it in an oven to, to make it hard. So just like the kings today and, and business leaders and prime ministers and so on, everybody wants to leave, uh, leave a legacy. And so King Sennacherib was not immune to this. 
So these three clay prisms that I'm referring to, there's uh, the Taylor prism, as it's called. That's in, uh, it's in a museum in London. And you can look this up. You can Wikipedia this. It's actually really cool. Uh, the second one's in the Oriental Institute prism, as it's called, in, uh, in a museum in New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the last one is the Jerusalem prism, which is in a museum in, in Jerusalem. So these three, the Taylor prism, the Oriental Institute prism, and the Jerusalem prism, all record some of the exploits of this Assyrian king, Sennacherib, uh, back, in, back in the day. And they're notable because they describe, among other things that Sennacherib did, they actually record the siege of Jerusalem. Uh, they record the siege of Jerusalem, and specifically they record a King Hezekiah. So you have a little bit of a triangulation here on this King Hezekiah, who was, in fact, the king of Jerusalem at the time that Sennacherib and his army uh, came into the land of Judah, as it was known at the time, and lay siege to the land. Um, we read evidence of Hezekiah's building of this conduit or digging this tunnel to bring water into the city. Well, from the perspective of Sennacherib, um, he actually had, uh, as it says on these prisms, he had the King Hezekiah held up like a cage, a bird in a cage. And that's how he describes Hezekiah being captured or, or held in the city of, uh, of Jerusalem as he came in with his, his sieging armies and laid siege to this. And you can read about the siege um, really in, a, in an identical fashion in Isaiah chapter 33 and chapter 36. And you can read about it in 2 Kings 18, verse 17, 2 Chronicles 32, where we read a verse a little earlier on, 2, King, or sorry, 2 Chronicles 32 and, and verse 9. So you now have archaeological archaeological finds in these prisms that record the same events that we see recorded in the Bible. And so when you start to see this, it's like, wow, there's a lot of evidence. And I've just used these two examples. There's a lot of evidence that people have unearthed over time that line up with the events described in God's word in the, in the Bible that are actually backed up and confirmed through modern science, the science of archaeology. So it's really fascinating to see this, how Sennacherib, who was kind of writing his memoirs on these clay prisms, records the event. And what's really interesting, and this is, this is true of most kings, you tend to record your successes, not so much your failures. So I don't know if, if, you, ever, uh, if you ever journal or, or di uh, write a diary, but it's, un it's a little unusual for people to write about, unless it's very, very secret write about the things that uh, didn't go so well. So Sennacherib describes this amazing result of, of how he was able to keep King Hezekiah, Hezekiah trapped like a bird in a cage. But what he doesn't record so much is the fact that he was actually defeated by uh, the armies of Israel, specifically by the armies of God, and, and had to leave. And, and that's kind of funny. If you look very, very carefully in, in history, yeah, Sennacherib did have a successful campaign in, into uh, uh the land of Palestine, but he didn't have so much success when it actually came to the siege of Jerusalem. And he, Sennacherib just kind of brushes over that a little bit. He didn't want to focus so much on, on how it didn't go so well for him at the siege of, uh, of Jerusalem. But it's fascinating to see these, these little pieces of evidence that are just, hmm, we're building a very compelling story here to indicate that, okay, there's a design, 
this planet has a purpose and that the Bible actually has a lot of the keys to unlock some of these mysteries. And, and archaeology is just one more way for us to identify these things. What you mentioned, because uh, almost always history is written by whoever won the battles, right? And so their account of the events is what we know as, as history, uh, whether that's actually what happened or not. Um, is one thing, but that's how we how we know historical events as. Uh, where this is somewhat of a unique uh, situation, where you actually have two recordings of a similar event by two different people, uh, documented in different ways. So the, the the writings about Hezekiah would be on a scroll, most likely made of, of animal skin. Uh, sewn together and then made into a long scroll. And then you have um, the, the records of the Assyrians, which are made on these clay prisms, as you mentioned, found in different places. So different people writing it, even opposing armies or opposing forces, uh, different writing materials uh, in different places they were found, uh, yet all talking about the same events, which I think is somewhat of a unique occurrence, even in archaeology. For sure. In my mind, uh, Joachim, the archaeology really proves that the characters in the Bible were real people and did real things, and that the account of their lives that's written down in the Bible is, is actually historically accurate. And for me, man, that's a really interesting piece of evidence that, that gives us uh, confidence or gives me confidence that the things that I read in... Uh, in the Bible are true. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Caleb. Uh, we'll leave it again uh, at that. So um, this is the, the second part of our three-part series uh, into proving the existence of God. We've looked at science. We've looked at archaeology today. And the next one is prophecy. So we'll, uh, we'll pick it up again in our next call. All right. Thanks, Joachim. Take care. Yep. You too, Caleb. Thank you for listening to For Real Life in the WCF Podcast Network. I'm Levi, and I'm a co-host on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. We have another show where Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships, and it's called From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or our website, wcfoundation.org podcasts. Lastly, did you know that WCF assists in support and resettlement for dozens of political refugees a year? Please consider supporting our efforts with donating on our website, wcfoundation.org. Have a great week. How can you grow faith throughout your whole life? WCF's Faith Launch Program is designed to help you answer that huge question as you embark on your own life journey. The answer matters because the true measure of our life is faith, learning to set aside our instincts and to trust God and His Son. You develop this faith in the decisions you make, the relationships you form, and the trials you encounter. 
Faith Launch gives you a set of strong faith-building tools, connects you with a network of peers and mentors, and helps you reflect on the best faith plan to help guide you through your journey. Faith Launch starts fall 2020 and is aimed at young adults between the ages of 18 and 35. There is no cost to participate, and to better accommodate your schedule, much of the program will be delivered online. The program wraps up with a final retreat to weave together key learnings and send off participants with fresh faith inspiration. To find out more, visit wcfoundation.org slash faithlaunch. Thank you.